Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who wants to tell all our listeners, if I could, you know I would. Just hold your hand and you understand. Here's the, my co-host from the left coast and the man who loves you, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was a seven-time NL All-Star, a two-time MVP for the Atlanta Braves, the youngest player in history to win back-to-back NL MVPs in 1982 and 83. Uh, We talked about, uh, with Steve Wynn, the Baseball Project song to the Veterans Committee, and I echo their sentiments because Dale Murphy belongs in the Hall of Fame. Please welcome to the podcast, Dale Murphy. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you for having me on. Look forward to it. It'll be fun. Absolutely. I, I almost said um, that uh, Dale was my favorite player of the 80s, but um, you're, you were my second favorite because I, I tried to be a first baseman and I wore number 17 in honor of Keith Hernandez. So that was, that oh, was, that wow. was my guy. Well, he could play. He should be in the Hall of Fame, too. I I totally agree with that. All right, um, you know we we start each episode with the T-shirt question. So, over to Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a Gin Blossom shirt. It says it's got a picture of a car, and then it says uh, Tempe, Arizona. Excellent, excellent. All right, Dell. How about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? I just got back from working out, so I'm wearing a really boring Under Armour T-shirt because <laughs> I don't fit in my Wilco T-shirts that I bought eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm actually wearing for this, I'm wearing one of my Wilco T-shirts that I just got last year um, when I saw them live for the most recent record. And I got to tell you, I wear this a lot. And so I've washed it a lot, and it's really shrinking. So that's my only complaint with my Wilco T-shirt, because my my other Wilco T-shirt that I bought like 10 years ago is still in great condition, and I still can fit into it really well. I probably should have worn it instead, but um, yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of my clothes are shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Uh, so, so I've had the fortune of standing in line a few times to get your autograph, Dale. Um, I've got a sign, Sports Illustrated, hanging in my office. It's just below my sign, Billy Casper, Sports Illustrated. And it is next to my Jimmer Fredette sign photo with your butt right behind it there. So, um, oh, I'm honored. Thank you. So how many autographs do you think that you've signed in your lifetime? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I sign a lot less now. I know that. Uh, um, some people will show me an autograph that I signed during the '80s or '90s, and you can tell that uh, back then I was signing a lot because they're not very legible. Um, <laughs> so I take my time a little bit now. Uh, it, but it, uh, I, I don't have any idea thousands yeah. i don't know i don't you know I, i'll have to sit down and add it up but uh during my career it, it got a little crazy but uh you know i've done a few autograph shows and i really enjoy them it's fun to reconnect with fans and uh and our culture really 
you know, really enjoys is, as you mentioned, you, you have some autographed things and it's a, it's a great hobby. It's a fun hobby. And it's, uh, it's been interesting to be able to find out what people like to collect. Uh, you mentioned that I'm a two-time MVP. A lot of times I'll meet people at shows that, that just want, you know, they just collect MVP signatures and, and it's, it's kind of their niche and, uh, it's, so it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite baseball card? Um, probably just my uh uh probably just my rookie card i i actually have two that are designated rookie cards which is kind of unique i'm not sure which one the collectors uh consider my real rookie card but i have two i have two catchers rookie cards actually and i ended up playing in the outfield so (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) interesting yeah that's a long that's a long story Yes, it is. Um, I I think that I've got an autograph card of you in in each of your uniforms, so Rockies, um, as well as well, Brave. the Rock, the Rockies one. I don't sign very often. I don't see very many of those. Well, you Obviously. were there. You were there for what thirty games? Yeah, yeah. Just I think middle of May, and uh, so I just do not. Yeah, there's not very many of them out there. Yeah. Um, I think I also have the um, the Don Russ Little Leaguer card. Oh yeah, that's that, a fun. One. So old, old, old picture of you as a little leaguer, and um, yeah, I, I I like that one as well. Oh, that's uh, a fun one. So we we tried to do this a couple months ago. Uh, we ran out of time to, to to finish it. You actually had picked a different album. We'll talk about that here in a moment, but. Um, when we when we tried to record previously, um, so I asked you, you know, are, are fans going to embrace baseball being played in empty stadiums? And what were you hearing? Were people okay with with the empty stadium thing? Because I know I didn't dive into baseball this year until the playoffs, and. Yeah. You know what? Once once the playoffs started rolling, then you know it was playoff baseball, and it was good baseball, and it was again fun to watch. And I thought the World Series was fairly entertaining, even though um, being down here in Florida, I'm kind of a Rays fan, so I didn't really like the outcome as much. But um, it was still entertaining. So what 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 did you hear from some of the fans as far as um, you know how how the 2020 season kind of shook out uh i think your feelings are are pretty much what everybody felt uh and is reflected in the ratings really uh and it's been reflected in the ratings for all sports i don't know how the nfl's doing now but uh it 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 was just it's been such a weird strange difficult time for so many of us um in so many different ways and unusual uh just totally threw everybody off their their schedule, their routines, sports is, is part of everybody's kind of schedule. You just get into the, if you like sports, you just, you get into each season and, you know, the masters is played in April and now we just had one in November. Um, and you turn on a game and you see a guy hit a foul ball into the stands or a home run over the fence and there's nobody there. It's, it's just, it's, it's amazing how the electricity uh, of a sporting event really does translate, I think, through TV. And, you know, they did their best. I'm thankful that as far as 
MLB is concerned that they got the season in. I think one thing you noticed is that players were playing hard. You know, they were playing in front of empty stadiums, but they were playing as hard as they possibly could, just like a regular year. Uh, maybe they had different different levels of adrenaline going, but you see the excitement during the playoffs and uh, and uh, and during the World Series. These guys wanted to win. I think. Uh, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, of course they want to win. I guess it was such a strange year that you wonder if they still had, you know, was there meaning behind it? Were they still playing hard, or were they just kind of? trying to get through the season. And I, I didn't see that. I saw it. And I would agree also with whoever won the world series this year, who ended up being the Dodgers. They deserve it just like 162 games because they had to put up with so much unusual, unusual things. Um, I think it was Brian, Brian Snitker of the, of the Braves uh, the day after they were eliminated by the Dodgers. He went home and made a fried egg sandwich at his house and he said this is the best thing i've had you know in in three months yeah. they've been eating out of plastic I, I i mean just the the whole unknown freddie freeman wins the mvp but he starts out the season with uh the virus and he was sick and he comes back and these guys just you know i'm thankful for it it was a little weird but the bottom line is i'm thankful they did it they tried it they played their hearts out and it ended up being okay, but it, it it was it was weird. I feel just like you. I um, it's just really strange. Yeah, yeah. Freddie was pretty good this year, wasn't he? Yeah. He had a great great year, and people forget he was sick at the beginning. Yeah, he's a great player, and uh, I was happy to see him win the MVP. So what's what's it going to take for the Braves to get to the World Series? Is it the pitching well, staff? They started out good. They got Drew Smiley and, and Charlie Morton to their staff. And it's always going to be about pitching. Um, you know, occasionally you'll have a blowout here and there. But, you know, if you're going to win, you're going to need you, – you need you need three frontline starters at a minimum. And they're, they're getting there. I like Charlie Morton. Drew Smiley's got a big upside. So they got a good young pitching. They're going to have Soroka back next year. And, and they'll score some runs. So I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even pay attention to what some of the younger guys how did, how was uh Kyle Wright how was he it, Well he was good he was really good but the the story of this year was was they they uh Soroka got hurt yeah. and he was the kind of a Cy Young candidate and then Max Fried came on and pitched remarkable for a young kid so they're going to have Soroka and Fried Bruce Smiley uh, uh Charlie Morton whose walk-up song, by the way, is a Jason Isbell song, and now I forgot what it was. Oh, really? Okay. Now I'm going to have to pay attention to that. Yeah, and so Jason Isbell is a Braves fan, so he was he was excited. He goes, finally, one of my songs is going to be in a, a, an entrance song for Charlie Morton. That's, that's it's about awesome. About South Carolina Pines or something. Okay. Anyway, can't remember. Wayne, does that sound familiar? Is that on Nashville Sound? I don't know if it's on there. I have heard the song though. Yeah. The, I'm not. I'm not saying the song right. But but Charlie Morton plays, plays the guitar and writes. Oh, and he's performed, okay. and uh, so he's serious. Uh, sounds like a candidate for our podcast, Wayne. 
Yeah. Oh, he, oh, he'd be great. Yeah, he'd be he'd be great. Yeah. I, I don't know Charlie, but but he's he's very great pitcher and and yeah, he's he plays the guitar and writes songs and. Yeah, I've I've told a few people. So after we did our um, our episode with uh, soccer player Lexi Lawless, I had a couple of people message me and go, um, "Aren't you doing a podcast about music? Why, why are you having you know?" And I'm like, "I don't care if they're musicians, they're soccer players, they're baseball players. As long as they love music, we'll we'll have them on and we'll chat." So. Yeah. Um, so I know, me on. yeah. So I know you've posted on the socials a number of times about music that you listen to. You know, you you mentioned that you're a Jason Isbell fan, and we're going to talk about Wilco. Um, what are some of the other other uh, acts that you listen to on a regular basis? Uh, man alive! Um, let me see. I'll have to go through my uh, uh, just a second here. Go through my my playlist. This is my uh, my playlist. I call AAA, which doesn't mean minor leagues. It just means it's. And what I have here is like, uh, <laughs> okay, well, this year I got introduced to Tool. Really? Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and especially their latest album. And I, I I'm not you know a, a longtime Tool fan, but that song, Numa, which is a silent P at the beginning. And their song "Invincible" from their their latest album this year, and they were in Salt Lake City on tour this fall, and I didn't go to them, but I just was blown away with some of their stuff. I love, uh, um, yeah. This is just kind of a, this is just kind of stuff I'm listening to. I've been going back and listening to a lot of Jackson Brown lately, okay. but uh, uh, Chris, uh, oh, I'm getting mixed up. Stapleton. Is that right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Stable. Yeah. I'm getting the name right. His new album. And, um, yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. And then, uh, I found a a band from Atlanta called the Murphs. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Which I thought was a fun, uh, and Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. That's who I was trying to think of. Yeah. Sturgill, Sturgill's, uh, latest album is really good as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. Well, cool. Well, Dale, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Oh, I chose uh, Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And um, I will say when we first tried this a few months ago, I picked Abandoned Luncheonette by Hall and & Oates. And I remember a couple songs. I got I listened to that album back in 1976. I was in AA in Savannah, Georgia. And I remember I liked a couple of songs, but I think the more I listen to it, I'm glad we got to change. It. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it, the less I like the album. <laughs> and so I was, I, I think when you first contacted me, I was like, uh, you know, I just came, came to my mind. It's not that I don't like them, but uh, the reason why I, I chose Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is really it's the album. I got reintroduced to rock music uh, by my kids uh, and Wilco from my oldest son, Chad. He said, Dad, I think, you you know, I was just kind of a typical 60-year-old listening to um, classic rock and just, you know, didn't know who was out there, you know, doing things um, that I might like that 
are new. And he said, no, you got, you got to listen to this. And, and so I started listening to him. Then, uh, um, I met, uh, um, uh, went to, uh, uh, a concert, a Wilco concert in Chicago. I think it was at the Riviera or something like that, a basic classic Chicago place. And so, uh, you know, Chad and, and his wife uh, took me there and I was just, you know, I was blown away. I was like, man, this is amazing. And so uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is just kind of the album that kind of got me back going to thinking, I mean, into people that were playing music and rock and roll music that I would like and so kind of got me off of the classic rock stations. You know, people are playing great music now and and uh, sometimes we listen to that 60s and 70s rock as great as it was. There's some great stuff now and Wilco proved that to me. And it was a real, it was a weird album in some ways as, as we all know, it's a lot of noise on it that I that I wasn't quite used to, but I really gave it a listen. And uh, uh, now that I've re-listened to it a lot, I can see why I liked it and why it's it could be considered classic rock. Because the more you revisit the classics in any genre of art, uh, it it keeps speaking to you in some way. There's no, I like pop music. I I got some on my AAA playlist. Uh, that I won't listen to, you know, very long. I won't go back to, I say, but I like it. I like pop music, uh, but, you know, there's there's something about this this sound that Wilco that I got introduced to that was really unique and and the, the poetry and the writing and just a different kind of music that I'd never really heard. What was the year that you went to that, that show with your son? Oh man, that is a good question. <laughs> what year is this? 2020. Well, he was in at the University of Chicago. Uh, I don't know, 12 years ago. Okay. Could, could, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. It, Chad's oldest is is almost 40. Yeah, it's probably 12. Probably 12 okay. years ago. Right. I flew back and uh, they were going through their whole songbook, I think, in three days or something. I don't know what they were doing, but I was blown away. Awesome. Now, um, I, I will tell you my introduction. So my my best friend fell in love with this album, made me a copy. He he knew he knew that I would I would um listen to it if he put it on the same disc as some replacement songs. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so that's how that's how Jeff got me hooked on it. Um I'll tell you a story about reservations as we get to that um later. But um uh he'd been touting that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was, you know, the the best album that he had listened to in a decade. And so this was two thousand two, two thousand three, and and so um, you know, he he really just kind of beat me over the head with it until I finally said, all right, fine. I'll, 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 I'll really listen to this. Um, but I'm kind of like you, Dale. I don't think that I really quite got Wilco until I saw them live. So I went to my first Wilco show in 2009 with, with, with my best friend and was just blown away. Like the musicianship of those guys, 
Um, you know, we're going to talk about, I'm sure, m- most of them. But Nels Klein, who is a fantastic guitarist, he's not on this record. He he uh, he would end up coming on the on to the next record and it's been on all the records since then. Um, Glenn Kochi, who is the, the the drummer, this is his first record with the band, but he is a phenomenal drummer, as you know. Um, and then Jeff Tweedy is just he's he's Jeff. Like he's got a lot of charisma and a lot of showmanship and um and he's just a great songwriter. And so so I've been trying to get Wayne to 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 become a Wilco fan as well. So that's been kind of my my thing over the last couple of years since we've been doing this podcast of trying to to convince him and I don't know. I has it has it worked yet, Wayne? Have we, have have I browbeat you yet? I th- I think this was uh this this did it. Like I say this is a uh... It's one of the records. It's a record that you have. The more you listen to it, the more times you listen to it, the the more you, you hear something different every time, and you, I, I liked it even more every every time I listen to it. Yeah, that's a good point. It is, and with headphones, uh, I mean, really, I don't, I don't know. I'm probably every record's like that. You, you need headphones. You need. There's just these little, like I think I said earlier, it's a weird album. What I meant was there's a lot of noise that 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 I wasn't expecting on some of them, but the noise, you know, it, I think it can make a statement in some way. I don't know. Um, I think sometimes it does. I think sometimes like uh, there was some, some stuff on the very first song that I thought was cool. And I had to hear it a couple, three or four times. Sometimes, sometimes though it does. They do have trouble ending songs. Not, I, I don't know if <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. That that happened. For, I started to keep track, and then I just gave up. I was like, it's, "I'm going to say that too much, so I'm just going to let it go." Yeah, yeah, and I, it's interesting when you see them live too. Uh, I, they they end up they end up ending their songs, <laughs> but uh, the 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 noise on on uh, it, it, I think it's it, it, incredible when they uh, what's the Via Chicago, which really has some uh, a big noisy kind of crescendo area. Uh, part of the song and not on this album obviously but it's incredible live i guess i I could could say because to me the noise you know not not every life isn't smooth life is noisy and but what i find wilco and any you got to be careful with that because it can end up just being noise but what I find is there's there's these songs on this album that the noise and then but you can hear there's there's this song in the background and then eventually they all come together I guess but live it it's even more remarkable. Yeah, I have to see VX Chicago every time I go. You know that's that's the one song. Well, there's two songs that I really want to hear live every time I see them is that and handshake drugs. I got to hear those two. Those are, those are my two that I have to hear live mostly because I want to hear nails going off on, on the guitar on handshake drugs. And then for via Chicago, I want to hear Glenn going off on the drums. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. And it's not everybody's cup of tea, Uh, but it's kind of like Wayne said, you, you got to listen and, and pay attention and, 
And, you know, I think a band, I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, when you think about an artist that paints, there, there's no collaborative artist that paints. You know, it doesn't work. It's an, I, I could be wrong, but think of a great artist that all he did, all he did was collaborate. But here you have great musicians, and I understand Jeff Tweedy's the quote-unquote frontman and 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 writes the lyrics and but you still got it's just a remarkable thing when a band comes together because they're all great artists but they have to collaborate to make something a song and uh it's just one of the more unique visual arts i think we can experience and i can't wait for live music again speaking of that but you know just think about an uh, you know a, a famous Van Gogh painting and then someone coming in and saying, you know, what th that color we should change it. It it just doesn't work, but a band is able to do that. I think it's a remarkable thing when a band comes together and makes good music. And it's interesting that you would bring that uh, the band coming together cuz this was this was an album that kind of tore the band apart <laughs> if 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 you know any of the the story on this. So um, give a little background. This was their fourth studio album. Um, Reprise Records, who was their label at the time, hated it. They didn't yeah. like all the extra noise and whatnot. And and that was a, a lot of that doing was was Jay Bennett, who was the the multi instrumental guy, and um, he and Jeff Tweedy clashed on a lot of those extra sounds. Um, there is a really great documentary about, about the making of this. Um, and it's called, I am trying to break your heart, a film about Wilco. And there's one scene in particular where um, they're, they're squabbling over what I guess, 10 seconds worth of material in one of the songs. And they've got that captured on, on this documentary. And, you know that eventually led to Jeff kicking Jay out of the out of the band. Um, oh, and and at the beginning of that documentary is them essentially firing their drummer. So Ken Coomer, who was the drummer on their their previous couple records, um, what they were trying to do with this particular record with doing some, some, some of those extra sounds that we talked about doing those sounds with the percussion that led to can being, um, they decided he just wasn't the guy for the band anymore. And that's where Glenn comes into play. And I mean, Glenn's fantastic. And, and that's a great documentary to, to go. It's a great, uh, like you said, great documentary, but, it's great to watch as you listen to this album too, and see what they went through to, to yeah. get yeah. The, their their artistic vision out there. Yeah, and and so uh, Reprise refused to 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 um, release it. Wilco then bought back the rights. They, I think, they streamed the album online, um, and then None Such Records signed Wilco and put it out. What's funny about this is reprise and none such are both owned by Warner brothers. Mm, that's interesting. So 
um, you know, Warner Brothers essentially bought the record twice is what uh, I think Jeff says in the documentary. So it's uh, interesting stuff. Um, should we jump into it? Should we let's go? Yeah. Should we let's do? do it. Let's uh, let's go track by track. Oh, one other thing that I did want to bring up. So we talk about Wayne. We talk about the uh, 500 greatest albums of all time according to Rolling Stone. So um, based off of the 2012 list, they ranked this album number 493 in 2020. It's now ranked 225. So something. Something has happened over the last ten years where, um, you know, I think the 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 people out there are realizing that um, this is a fantastic record. So, all right. Uh, as a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Eleven. Which means our top song is going to get eleven points. Next favorite ten on down to the lowest score of one. Let's kick this off with I am trying to break your heart. I always thought that if I held you tightly, you would always love me like you did back then. Then I fell asleep in the city, kept blinking. What was I thinking when I let you back in? I I'm trying to break your heart I am trying to break your heart You still are the lion if I said it wasn't easy And this is the second longest song on the record at just under seven minutes. Um, and that opening line, if, uh, if you are an Americana fan, you'll know that um, the, the opening line of... I'm an American aquarium drinker. That's where the band Amer- American Aquarium get their name from. So that's uh, if you if you know that that's that's B.J. Barnum Barham's uh, uh, band. So, anyways, little little extra pop culture reference here for you. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about the lyrics? Because the lyrics are um, super cryptic and. Uh, a little bit goofy at times. Wayne, what, what do you think about the lyrics on this one? I think, you know, and I had, I had something was said about Jeff Tweedy being poetic and not in the sense of the lyrics being, uh, the lyrics being like poetry where you pick certain words for the, for the way they, they sound. And, uh, and I think he does that to a certain degree. Um, but I like some of his choices, like American aquarium drinker. That's, that's saying it to me. That's saying I have a drinking problem. I'm drinking a lot. An aquarium's worth of of alcohol. But and then the next line is "Assassin down the avenue," which is so. It's got this false bravado to it. Like I'm like he because in this whole thing he does. The way I see the story is he has a drunken one night stand with a girl that he had gone out with previously, and I think he was much more affected by their breakup than he obviously had let on. And so he's, he's now trying to convince himself that he's, that he's going to try to break her heart. But I think it's all, it's all for show, but some of the, I mean, Bible black pre-dawn, that's super, that's super poetic. I, I, I haven't really kind of 
put a, a handle on Band-Aid, uh, take off your Band-Aid because I don't believe in touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> I, that one is probably the one that I never could figure out. But like all the end of each verse is what was I thinking when I let you go? What was I thinking when I said it didn't hurt? What was I thinking when I said, you know, when I said goodnight? So he's, he, he keeps calling, you know, he's, he's got all of these conflicts on it, but the, the words he chooses, they may some, in some ways they may seem nonsensical, but I think they actually, because at the end of the song, he's disposable Dixie cup drinking. So he's, 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 he's managing it a little bit better. <laughs> Dale, what do you, th- what do you think about the lyrics yeah. on this one? Uh, I was, uh, uh, I'm thinking the same thing. Uh, each stanza ends differently. It's like he's, is questioning himself. What was I thinking when I let go of you? I said it didn't hurt. I said good night. And then I said hello. Then I let you back in. <laughs> and then he finally says, look, I'm trying to break your heart. I'm trying to break up. He, it, it's like he can't do it. But that that caught me, as Wayne mentioned, every stanza ended with uh, kind of a slight take on this relationship. But I want to hold you in the Bible Black Freedom is, to me, is... Again, like Wayne, I just, when I heard that the first time I heard it, I was like, uh, that's just a beautiful way to, to say that. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely, as crypt as it may sound, it, it, it absolutely makes, uh, I mean, you have a vision of that, just that, yeah. that complete darkness before the dawn. He really just nailed it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, there's a just that you could go on and on, like with many of his stuff. And I, I think some of it's, is kind of free verse. I think some of his songs just kind of go. Uh, this one, obviously, to me, has that relationship. Exclamation point on this one. All right. Um, I feel bad about my score for this one. Um, this is my five. Wayne, your score? Uh, I gave it a six. I just want to say of the this, I think, is a great opening track because I think it has a it, it kind of encapsulates everything in this record, because there is, there's this, this thing that it took me a few times to hear. There's this uh, almost off key toy piano in, in, in yeah. one spot in the beginning. But if you listen to the song a couple of times, that piano will come in and it will get better every time. And till at the end, it sounds like a, like a well-played full piano. And it creates this, this, uh, like this metamorphosis, like you can feel the change. Like sometimes the, the interest, they do some really interesting stuff with what would be considered noise. <laughs> they don't always. And like I say, it took over a minute to get this thing to stumble to the finish line. Yeah. But that also is representative of most of the songs in here. So I thought this was a great way to start because it really, in the first track, he kind of, they kind of open you up to, to everything, a little bit of everything um, that's going to be on the record. And they give a reference at the end of the song of I'm the man who loves you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So you're a little, get, uh, you're going to get that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Um, all right. Wayne, did you say your score? Six. And then Dale. Well, I, I gave them to you. I'm, I, yeah, this I'm, is your I'm, 10 here. I'll whisper yeah. to you. This <laughs> is your 10. <laughs> Okay. I got to get my, my, uh, just a second. Anyway. Yes. All right. All right. Next song is camera. Oh, here's, here's my list. Here's my list. Okay. Okay.
What do you guys think is the significance of camera being misspelled in the title? Because uh, you know what, I, it caught to me. It made me think of karma, which those lines about uh, okay, which lies I have been hiding, which echoes belong. I've counted out days to see how far I've driven in the dark. I mean, there's all this. There is kind of a kind of repercussions. Kind of the things I've done um, have you know have shaped my, you know, my future, my, my past. So I, when I see camera spelled with a K, it literally, it made me think of karma. And I don't think that was an accident. No, it's not an accident. Yeah. I don't think it's an accident. Um, That's a great point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. I'd been trying to figure that one out. This is why I keep Wayne around, Dale. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's good. Some of the songs, yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's, some of the songs are so honest. You know, I'm reminded of someone telling Joni Mitchell after she wrote a song. I I don't know which one it was, but someone came to her and said, "Hey, save some stuff, save some of this stuff for yourself." <laughs> you know, don't be sharing everything. And I think, you know, maybe Jeff was you know going through some things and. I think that's kind of though when a song is honest and he's sharing, you know, phone my family, tell them, tell them I'm lost on the sidewalk and no, it's not okay. I smashed a camera. I want to know why. I mean, it's struggling with some things, even though it's kind of a, it's not a brooding slow song. It's got a little, you it's know, it's got some bounce. Yeah. 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 It's got it's some bounce to it, but, but he's, yeah, it's there's still some challenging things going on here. And I, I, if you watch the documentary, you know that he was struggling with some addiction to painkillers as well at that time. Right. So I'm right. sure that is you. You'll hear some of that in in these lyrics as well. So there, there is some conflict there. All right. For sure. Uh, let's get scores. Wayne, what do you got? I gave it an eight. Like this one I say is much more musically accessible than the first song. Um, but it still brings in a couple like these, that synthesizer and the percussion to kind of give it, it gives it texture that a lot, not a lot of bands at this point were giving putting right. into songs. Yeah. This is my four. And then Dale, what's your score for camera? Camera is my a one. <laughs> All right. Least favorite. All right. Yeah. I just was, I I don't know. It didn't, it didn't move me a lot. Now that uh, Wayne said that the camera reminded him of karma, I might have to reconsider, but that's, you know, that's where I'm at with that one. That's what Wayne does. He, he changes our scores for us. Um, All right. Next song, Radio Cure. My mind is filled Radio Cure. Dale, what do you, what do you like about Radio Cure? Oh, just this. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> I think uh, uh, you know, 
I, I don't, I guess, you know, sometimes we go through periods where, man, what, what is wrong with me? And, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what, but it, what there, when he says that, I just, I just felt for him and he it starts out, cheer up, honey. I hope you can, there's something wrong with me, you know, and it gets repeated a few times and it just was, uh, you know, asking for understanding, I think, and admitting that there's something wrong. And the radio cures, I don't know. I'm interested to see what you guys think about the, my mind is filled with radio cures, electronic surgical words. I think it's, you know, when I look at the lyrics of this one where he's, you know, he's he's talking about my, my mind is filled with silvery stars and honey kisses, clouds of fog shoulder shrugging off like he he's trying to express all of these feelings that he has but he can't quite come up with the words like they're all just a little bit of analogies and and metaphors and um uh, and i think the um the whole you know what's what what's always the one thing that um our, our wives have always told us that uh, us men are horrible at doing listening. Well, besides that communicating. Um, yeah. Li- which, yeah. Listening and communicating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're tied. Tied. So, so he's oh, trying to yeah. communicate all these things and it's just all coming up jumbled. And there, that's why there's a, this distance is not being able to communicate further. That's how I've always interpreted this song. Um, Wayne, I don't know if you've got uh, a different take on this. Um, and this was one where I felt like, like this is the, there's a lot of poetry in these words he chooses. Like you say, there's a vagueness to them. What do they, what do they really mean? It, it really does kind of conjure up this, this confusion in the protagonist. Like he doesn't necessarily know. Um, but I like how he, the, the key to the song feels like that last line that he repeats, but he, he actually changes it. It starts as distance has no way of making love understandable. But by the end, he, when he, he repeats it, it's distance, the way of making love understandable. So even that's confusing as what it, this, you know, distance doesn't. And then, then at distance can. So this, this whole paradox in the song, but there's a lot of great, very, uh, like words that just create kind of feelings with the picking apples of kings and queens of things I've never seen. There's just, a, a, you know, even honey kisses, fog, uh, clouds of fog. Uh, I, I like, but musically, this is one that just grew on me because that, that strum is almost like a heartbeat. Uh, and it's from the beginning and it goes like right through the whole song. And it really, they add some, you know, some cool tension and texture with things that didn't like when I first listened to it, didn't, didn't appeal to me necessarily, but the more you hear it, it really just adds this great, you know, cause there's like a stringed instrument. Uh, and then there's this, uh, almost like a, a hiss, some sort of a feedback hiss that they'll use in there. Yeah. And like I say, initially when you hear it, it's not something you're used to in a, in a song, in, in music. And then once you do kind of catch it and, and kind of, uh, it kind of gets a hold of you. Then, then you're, you've it just like musically, it became very interesting. So my scores, the scores on these were my initial scores. Like when I, I listened to it, I kind of divided it up how I, how I, I ranked it, how I, how I felt. And I wouldn't say that anything ever changed, but I, I would say I like every song on here. And this is, this is my three, but it's not, it's not, this song grew on me just like all the other songs. The more I listened to them, 
the more I really liked them. Yeah. And really like what they were doing. Yeah, this is this is my three as well, and I feel horrible about my score. Um, Dale, what do you got for a score on uh, on radio? Yeah, here? I've thrown on me over the years, and I think uh, in just in preparation for you know the show and talking about it, I, I agree. It's just grown on me, so I I, I gave it an eight. Yeah, beautiful. Right. Yep. All right, next song: War on War. Just so you know, I think there's there's been a lot of confusion on on this particular song. Maybe another one that we'll get to, but uh, the song was written before all those early two thousands war, um, before yeah nine eleven and whatnot. So, um, I will say this. So I I found a really good quote about this particular song from from Jeff. Uh, this was in Crud Magazine. I had never heard of Crud Magazine. Um, but he says, you have to learn how to die if you want to be alive. I think somehow you need to get to a certain point in your life where the notion of failure is absurd. So um, mm. so, so when you, you, you hear those words uh, where he's like, you have to lose and you have to learn how to die, that's, that's kind of where he's coming from. So it's not an anti-war song. <laughs> not, not really. It's, it's, a, it's a war with yourself. Is that what he's kind of saying? You gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have, you have to learn how to fight. Um, you, you gotta go to battle with yourself because you'll you'll never figure life out if you're not if you don't learn how to die. Is that what he's? I think so. Fail. Yeah, yeah. And and being a ball player, um, you know, how often are you? failing as opposed to succeeding, especially when it comes to being at bat. Yeah, for sure. And, and I love it because putting yourself out there, no matter what you do, if, if you're going to, no matter what you do in life, you've got to put yourself in positions and that are uncomfortable and it's a battle. It's a war every day. And I, 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 I kind of like this, uh, you know, when I first heard it, I go, oh, you know, this is, there's a there's a war on, you know, it's a war on war. What's the point? You know, you're going to lose. You're going to have to learn how to die. Uh, I kind of like those lyrics and apply them to a, a real war. But as you have mentioned, this feeling of the war that goes on within us, putting ourselves out there. Uh, I, I like that interpretation. Um, yeah. You got to figure this out, and you got to be okay to. Yeah, the baseball player is. You're going to strike out more times than not. You're going to mess up, but if you don't get in that batter's box and swing for the fences, you know, sounds cliche, but it's really true. You'll never hit a home run. Yeah, Wayne, like what do you that. what do you got on war on war? Um, for me, I like to say it's another one that it grew on me as it went, but I think there's this beautiful acoustic guitar that they that that there's a synth riff that that turns into noise 
that loop that keeps coming through and it, and it distracts from that. Like I say, that was really my, my only uh, criticism of it. Cause I did, I mean, the typewriter, like when I first looked at it, it definitely, I, I went to, uh, you know, kind of a war on war. I even was uh, thinking of it from the perspective of the people who send young men to war. Um, they don't, you know, most of, many of them have never been in a war. None of them are going to be uh, going to any wars, you know, at that point, they call in favors to keep their kids out of them. So it's, it, it, but like I say, at this point, there really wasn't that kind of thing going on. And the line about the typewriter is what made me believe that it, it was much more personal and much more of an internal struggle. But I love the guitar that's being played. And I, I, it, this one also struggles to end. It takes, I think it takes a minute or so to get, to get out of its own way at the end. But uh, that synth riff that turns into noise just, Took, took too much away from that that really cool acoustic guitar. All right. Dale, what do you got for a score? A seven. I've always uh, enjoyed this song a lot. And the acoustic guitar, I've got to mention, too, on this song, as well as some others, the, the bass line yes. is... The bass line is, is incredible here, as, as it is on some other one. But it, when, you, when you listen with headphones and, or, you know, where you can really pick it out. Um, I think uh, someone, you know, just on social media told Mike Mills that he always thought Mike Mills was really behind this, the, the Sonic was really one of the creators of that sound of REM being the bass player. And of course he could play other things as well, but I think that's, uh, I think that's going on with Wilco and uh, John. Um, John Sturrott. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sturrott. Uh, is that his bass playing is the anchor of this Wilco sound, which is true of a lot of bass players and percussion players. But I, I, I love to follow the bass line on this song, among others. And I think, I think Jeff Tweedy has said that you know, Wilco may come and go, but me and John are never going to be <laughs> apart. <laughs> Something like that. John's great. Um, he's the MVP of the next song for me, and not oh not, yeah, not necessarily because of his bass, but because of the the extra vocal parts that he gives. And and Dale, I'm I'm on record of saying Mike Mills is the MVP of REM. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's it takes them all, obviously, but. Yeah, he's, Mike. He's just incredible great. stuff. Just yeah. Great. All right. Um, did I get scores for me and you, Wayne? Uh, uh, this is my two, and I. This is hate, also my two. Yeah, and I hate my score for it. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, sure. next next song is Jesus, etc. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey You can combine anything you want I'll be around You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun Tall buildings shake Voices escape singing sad, sad songs 
And based off of setlist.fm, this is the third most played song live for Wilco. 903 times played live at the time of our recording. Um, We will get to the most played live song from Wilco in a few songs. Um, How many times have you seen Wilco live, Dale? Uh, Let's see. One, two, three, four. It's at least four, maybe five. Okay. All right. I've I'm up to eight, and oh, that's, that's awesome. and, and that's still not enough. Like I'm going <laughs> I'm going through Wilco withdrawals for 2020. I was supposed to see them a couple months ago, and so I'm I'm definitely having some some um, withdrawals. Um, and Wayne Wayne still has not partaken of the live experience, and that that chat. hopefully well, will be you- remedied. <laughs> Can you imagine in 2021 how great it's going to be? Everything, for everybody, oh, the yeah. art, the artists, the 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 the. You know, I don't get to a ton of concerts. I feel like going to a concert now every night. I mean, <laughs> I don't care who's playing. Uh, I feel like I took it for granted. Um, man, can't wait. Yeah, Wayne, um, I want to hear your interpretation of the the lyrics for this. Um, to me, it felt like a, a relationship ending just because of some of the imagery with uh, last cigarettes, uh, setting suns, um, even, you know, the idea of, tall, you know, the earthquakes. Uh, and basically, some, there's a reference to a star, which are actually a reference to the sun, which everyone is a burning sun, which the sun is a star that's that's it's got a light. It's it's going to burn out eventually. Uh, so there's a lot of images of and the of this thing ending uh it's clearly important to him and he has no ability to help he has no ability to stop it whatsoever but to me the violin the just the way it opens up with that violin and the bass uh is just so beautiful yeah and like i said john's john's vocals in this are really great and here here are my notes so the more that i started looking at the lyrics i'm like i think the song is about the apocalypse Everything around the narrator is falling apart. Tall buildings are shaken. Uh, you mentioned the, the the stars being their own setting suns. There's probably um you know meteor shower going on, um, and he's essentially, you know, don't cry because I'm going to be right here to die with you. And so let's go have that last cigarette before we burn to a crisp. <laughs> How's that for morbid? It's, it's, it's not a beat, but it could be right. <laughs> That's 2020. That's what 2020 has done to me. Um, all right. Uh, D- Dale, what do you got on Jesus, etc.? Well, yeah, it's classic Wilco. Uh, the opening is just beautiful. The lyrics are incredible. When I first heard, when I first heard our love is all of God's, where, where are we here? Yeah, it's yeah, just right. before everyone is a burning sun. So it's our love is all of God's money. Yeah, that that was just the most unbelievable way to uh, uh, express that thought about love and God and spiritualness of, you know, how important it is to love each other. I don't know. Just our love is all of God's money. It was just blew me it's away. A great line. Great line. Yeah. Our, okay. I I've got to scroll down here. Um, now I got to read you. I just read this in in Jeff Twitty's new book, How to Write One Song. Yeah. 
because he says creating something out of nothing is is the important part and maybe like me you'll discover that you're often better off learning how to write without much concern for what you're writing about and through that process you'll discover what is what is on your mind jesus etc was never about anything specific to me until i sang it live for the first time and learned how sincerely it conveyed my wish for a better sense of unity with my extremely devout Christian neighbors. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. That's that's great. Oh my gosh! And and he was, and he's gone. He's gone through a spiritual, quite a spiritual journey. Yeah. But he just, it just, yeah, I thought that was an interesting little anecdote about Jesus, et cetera. Love it. All right. Um, Dale, your, your score on this one? Well, 11. I, uh, it's, it's my favorite song in, in my favorites of Wilco. Gotcha. All right, Wayne, your score? Yeah, that's a nine. I say this time they, they use those. The kind of the extra stuff to make create the textures is a little more conventional. I got a steel guitar in there, and it, it sounds like a ukulele. It could be something else, but it's at least a small stringed instrument that they use. To, to the sound is, I guess it's much more of what I always thought Wilco should sound like, or did sound like, even before I had ever listened to him. Okay, all right, and this is my eleven. This is this is my favorite song on this record, and it's always a highlight to hear live as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, next song, Ashes of American Flags. I shake like a toothache when I hear myself sing. Oh, my lies are only wishes. I know I would die if I could come back. to salute the ashes of American flags and all the falling leaves filling up shopping bags and um, I lost my notes oh here we go I have all sorts of lyrics circled on this one and I want to hear I want to hear some Wayne interpretations of some of these lyrics uh, especially the, um, the, um, uh, all my lies are always wishes. I know I would die if I could come back new. I want to hear your interpretation of, of that Wayne. Uh, to me, this whole, the song feels, it just felt like PTSD. I mean, it just felt like somebody who's, who's in their own head. And, and I think the line that did that for me was I'm on, I'm down on my hands and knees. Every time I hear a doorbell ring, like, uh, there's just this, you know, this anxiety inside this person. Uh, so I, as to say, I, I exactly understand the lyrics. I, I don't, I love, uh, uh, but I love like the anxiety that's created from hearing them. That little exchange at, at the cash machine uh, is, is brilliant. And like I say, all my lies, like, uh, you know, that telling everybody you're okay. You know what I mean? Like when people ask you how you're doing, 
oh, I'm fine, you know, um, just lies. And just, I, I, and I knew I would die if I could come back new. I mean, yeah, I think if your life is, you know, is full of that anxiety and, and you do have those demons in your head and you thought that if you, if you would get a new start, if you died, then you, you, you know, that's a, like a, you know, suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Dale, what do you got on this one? It's, it's a song that is, that like we've, we've talked before, the more I listen to it and the more that I appreciate it. I think, uh, the, 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 the lines that got me was, uh, we want a good life with a nose for things, the fresh wind and bright sky to endure my suffering. I'm a hole without a key. If I break my tongue, Oh, speaking of tomorrow, how will it ever come? You know, we're all kind of, we get into some desperate times sometime and I don't know, that just really, uh, jumped out to me and, uh, I don't know. It's a it's a powerful song. The the tempo is a little down and yeah and I agree that first line the cash machine I don't know it's just it's a beautiful lyric but uh yeah this song is has gotten better and better to me. Yeah, me too. Um I had this as low as my my 4 at one point and it just kind of kept creeping up. It this was my 8. Uh Wayne your your score yeah, this is another one that um, I, I gave it a four, but I just, like I say, with every other song, the more I listen to them, the more I like them. This is one um, that I, I don't, I'm not super proud of my score. All right. And then Dale, your score? Yeah, I uh, gave it a nine. All right. Next song, Heavy Metal Drummer. A double kick drum by the river in the summer. She fell in love with the drummer. Another And I text I texted Wayne when I got his scores today, and I said I I expected heavy metal drummer to um, be, be a higher score for you based off of um, uh, you know talking about playing Kiss covers. I mean, Kiss was your <laughs> band back in the day, Wayne. I'm I'm surprised this didn't. Yeah, like, well, it was my first. It was the first band that was mine. Like I say, prior to uh, hearing Kiss, my favorite band was the Eagles and. Elvis Presley because that was my mom's favorite artist and my dad's favorite uh, band. So um, I do like a, I do, I do love a reference to kiss just for uh, just like surrender. And then we had a, a Butch Walker record that threw out a, threw out a shout out too. But to me, the, the ultimately this one feels the most, um, I don't know, easy, easily deciphered um, and kind of straight up. I mean, it's clearly, it's nostalgia. I even read something that, Jeff Tweedy had talked about it's not uh, it was the bands that he saw playing there at the originally at that time he mocked them um, for their for the you know for their antics on stage and and over time he began to really uh, envy that because he you know they're they were just playing there was what they they were enjoying themselves they weren't trying to you know, they were just trying to get the crowd up on their feet and and play the songs they loved, and there there was a an innocence to that, and that he it sounded in in the quote that he had eventually gotten closer to that, but like say I, he initially 
mocked those bands and he became to he came to envy that 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 the way they played i yeah. i i'd heard a, a similar uh remark about him and heavy metal i i think it was him one of my kids told me that he said there's one thing about these heavy metal bands they 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 can't they can't mail it in <laughs> you know they when they go to play they just can't mail it in cuz it's it's uh <laughs> I mean, it's hard work and they're into it. You can't go out and fake, fake it. I guess not that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you go to yeah. a concert, it sounds like they just kind of mailed it, it in. in. And showed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, phoned it in. Maybe that, that's the better way to say it. They phoned it in. Yeah. And yeah. I think he was just trying to say he appreciates that more now. I think, I think that was a quote from him. This, this song to me just sounded, yeah, straightforward and, and, if there's a pop song on here, it, it, I think that would kind of, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It, it's, it's, yeah. In some ways, I don't know if it fits with this album. <laughs> and that's, and that's, I think what our critique on this was as well. But when I'm listening to this a, as the full album, what other song in the sequencing, what other song could follow ashes of American flags? Like you yeah. kind of have to just throw a little frivolity after yeah. that song because it's, it is oh, so heavy. Um, yeah, so and, I, and a lot of the album is heavy. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, all right. Scores. Wayne, what do you got? Five. Dale. Four. And this is my six. And then next song, I'm the man who loves you. And uh, remember what I said with um, we would talk about the song that is most played live. So according to setlist.fm, Wilco has played this 1,033 times at the time of our recording. This is a staple. And um, for good reason, because the song is just great. Oh, yeah. What do you got yeah. on this, Wayne? Well, and this was a tough one. Uh, this was almost my top song. Um, this sounds, it has this loose, uh, it had, you know what? It, it reminded me of like an outtake from Sergeant Pepper. Cause it's got those horns that come in. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it felt like it has this great loose studio jam feel to it. Um, I honestly, the lyrics, I never really dug into them cause the way this song sounds, I mean, I, I, it's just incredible. This would have fit on the White Album. Like I say, that sitar effect on the guitar, that whole Revolution Number no. 9 ending. This is almost, This is like I wrote down the best Beatles song that the Beatles never wrote. It just has this great, and I could even, pardon the pun, imagine John Lennon singing this song. It, it just, it. I absolutely love the way it sounded without actually hearing, you know, focusing on the words. 
All right. So given that, Dale, paraphrase that blog entry that you sent to me earlier about your your playlist of Wilco and yeah. Beatles. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad uh, you brought that up, Wayne. And, and, and I've so I started a blog and I was just trying to figure out something to do. And social media was kind of new. And my kids, uh, Chad, uh, my oldest, who's a really good writer and musician, and he's also a professor at Oregon state. <laughs> he's in the, uh, in the business school. So he's got a wide range of talents, but he goes, dad, I'll help you write it. So I said, I, the paraphrase it basically was, I was at a meeting and I could listen to, I was listening to the music prior to this meeting starting, I go, Oh, that's a, that's a cool Beatles song. And then I started listening to it a little bit more and I'm like, Oh no, that's a Wilco song. <laughs> and so, so I called Chad up. I said, Chad, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, a Wilco song and a Beatles song and a Wilco song and a Beatles song, um, on a playlist. And I want to write a blog about it. And I, I, Wayne, I kind of said what you said there, there's some Beatle, Beatleness to to this Wilco stuff, uh, the sound. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some backmasking <laughs> on this. <laughs> you know, Jeff, nice. Jeff is nice Jeff touch. is dead. Maybe Jeff is dead if you play it backwards. <laughs> um, uh, and so I anyway, Chad helped me write this this blog post, and and I basically said, uh, you know that this is comparable to the Beatles. And if Nels Klein was back, was playing back then, we'd be talking about Nels Klein instead of uh, um, some of the, the great guitarists of the seventies. And I just did all this stuff saying basically that, that uh, these were some better Beatles songs than, you know, than the Beatles wrote and, and Wilco's uh, Facebook page saw it. And, and, reposted it and then about six months later or so they were playing in atlanta and i called chad up and my son sean i said let's fly to atlanta i've made contact with uh wilco uh they're gonna get us some seats and and backstage passes so we went and it was a remarkable concert at the cobb energy arena or whatever they call it really nice place uh beautiful setting so afterwards we go back and we're introducing ourselves and they're saying hey thank you for that post and everything it was it was kind of otherworldly uh we're all just kind of starstruck and someone comes up to us their manager goes you want to meet jeff and you know jeff would like to meet you and we're me and Sean and Chad kind of look at each other and go, well, yeah. And he goes, well, he's back on the bus. And then we, we looked at each other again and we're like, we all thought the same thing. We do not want to go on their bus. I mean, that is <laughs> like saying, you know, Hey, you want to go in their locker room? Come on in right now. Only the bus is a little more private. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I, you know, we, we tried to figure out how to, you know, we don't want to bother Jeff. He goes, no, no, no. He wants to meet you. So here goes Chad and Sean and I, and, and we went out there and they opened the door. We went in and, and met Jeff. <laughs> and the first thing he said, he, we sat down and we go, Hey, great. He goes, how'd we sound? And, uh, I just, we said it was remarkable. We, I don't remember. We talked a little bit and, 
as we're sitting there, Nels Klein gets on the bus and he's going back to the back. And it was, it was one of those beautiful and, and really uncomfortable moments. Uh, but he was very kind and talked a little baseball. One thing, one little anecdote, he goes, you know, they asked me all the time to sing the national anthem, you know, at these <laughs> baseball games, he goes, I, I'm not that kind of singer. <laughs> he goes, I just kind of, I kind of talk sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was a beautiful moment we had a lot of fun that's but us the, the, there, there is some uh uh sergeant peppers to some of these songs yeah definitely that noise and kind of the coming together the stringed instruments yeah all right um did i get scores yet wayne did uh, i get your score this was my 10 all right and then dale your score uh six all right, and this is my nine. All right, next song is Pot Kettle Black. It's become so obvious. You are so oblivious to Since I have the benefit of seeing scores, I'm just throwing this over to Wayne. Well, first of all, anytime you in, you inspire uh, the cures in between days in that acoustic guitar riff, and then the that kind of that free, that excited uh, feeling of Friday, I'm in love, like you've got me. So um, this song, just the more I listen to it uh, with that, and like I say, with that very cure inspiration, I loved it. And I love the, like the, the, the lines he uses have that kind of crazy in love feel to him. The, 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 what's the sleeping eye socket, baby, suck your thumb. He's got this. Yeah. Uh, but he clearly hasn't told this person how he feels. Uh, I, I, from the line, I, I myself have found a real rival in myself. Um, and then there's even, well, just the line, it's become so obvious you're so oblivious to yourself. So she, this, the object of his affection doesn't know, and he's caught up in this, uh, you know, this this overwhelming, you know, feeling of love. And I, I just love, I like I say, I love the verse uh, or the chorus. I mean, where he where he speaks to the, you know, you're tied in a knot. I'm not gonna get caught calling a pot kettle black. It it just has a great. This to me is is uh, just a great pop song this is the the best pop song on the record and five years before this was recorded it probably would have been huge on alternate ra- alternative radio yeah i agree yeah you didn't even you didn't even finish that that uh that chorus of every song to come back every moment's a little bit later yeah and that's i mean that's just brilliant because it's so much it's so true uh, as far as, especially for every moments a little bit later. I mean, it seems so simple, but yet no one, I never heard anybody say it prior to that, but every moment is stacked on another moment. It's not the same one. It's a little bit later. That's, you know what, when you say something so obvious that no one's ever said before, that's it's pure genius. Yeah. 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 I did. I didn't have this one rated as high. And I think when we go through this, well, <laughs> you guys said it earlier that, now that I hear it and listen to it, I wish I could have stuck it in there a little bit higher. But I like what is it called? Uh, alliteration. Uh, 
uh, poets use it, rides rockets. I mean, these, yeah. the, he, he, this, uh, word words with, uh, it, it just, uh, it's the same sound that really kind yep. of yep. starts yep. out with that crazy rides rockets who has a uh, empty, uh, where is it? I have found a real rival in myself. I am hoping for a, a re arrival <laughs> of my health. I thought that was genius. Yep. A real rival in myself. And I'm hoping for a re arrival of my health. Uh, and then it, it, that obvious and oblivious is catchy. Yeah. It's great. Whole song's great. All right. Um, so Wayne already said, this is his top song. Uh, this is my seven. And then Dale. Yeah. I, I gave it a three. I'm just, I have I struggled to try to figure out where to put it, but I love it. Okay. I did only I only had a three here. All right. Next song is Poor Places. This is this is where you're going to get the 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 title of the the record. So at the end of this particular song is where you've got the the looped voice saying Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And I don't even know what I tried to figure out uh what that meant. Um it's nonsensical. Um do you know where it's from? Do you know where he got it? I Yeah, it's I, from some old radio recording, right? Cuz yeah. they actually had to pay for that. They got sued. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. So my kids said, Dad, you got to, they're uh, just, uh, Conet, uh, you're going to have to Google the Conet Project, C-O-N-E-T. This is, shortwave radio has channels that are saying things that nobody knows where they're from and what they mean. And you can go on some of these channels and they'll be, be saying, some of them will, will be numbers. That nobody knows where they're coming from and nobody knows what they mean. I'm serious. And and one of them was this woman in a slightly British, I think, accent or something. Yeah. Saying Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And they actually, you're right, they sampled it and got sued for it. And it's really mysterious. The whole the whole where is it coming from? It really, you gotta Google it. It's fascinating who sued him uh i think uh, whoever made the conant yeah. project yeah the conant project Interesting. but I, I i can't imagine them winning that because i don't think they own the rights to it they well they, it said it. they settled it said they settled out of court so i'm sure something was was probably okay. paid uh but yeah the only i kept trying to find something i would thought you know they're using the military alphabet it must mean something uh and the only thing I came up with, which is fairly new, is You Have Failed, which doesn't really fit the album, I wouldn't say. And plus, I think that it would have been, I think that would be more common knowledge if it really had. I think it all boils down to that that droning shortwave radio broadcast. Because I honestly think this is where the record should end. Not that I, I hate the, the last song, but the way they the way they drone that around in a loop at the end. Um, it's okay that they drag it out a little bit. And I just felt like that was the perfect, perfect way to end it. 
Okay, do you want to hear my story now? I'm saving this for reservations, but I'll just throw it out now. So when okay. Jeff, when Jeff made the CD for me of this, he ended, there wasn't enough space on the CD, so it ended at poor places. So for at least 10 years, I thought <laughs> that Poor Places was the last song on the record. And it wasn't until I, I got the CD, a real physical CD of myself, where I'm like, oh, there's an extra song on it. And, the, and everybody's like, no, Reservations is the last song on this record the whole time. But I always, I always thought Poor Places was the perfect end. You fade yeah. out with with the 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 you know the weird Yankee Hotel Foxtrot refrain and call it good. And not that P Reservations is a horrible song; it's not. It's just um, it was just an interesting choice to to end that. So there you go. There's my story, my my total tangent on that. Um, That's interesting. All right, uh, Dale, what's your score on Poor Places? I, I just, uh, it's a tough listen for me. Uh, I hate to say that about any song on here, but it just, it, you know, it doesn't hit me. I gave it two. I don't know. I, it, the lyrics would probably uh, hit me more strongly than the, the musicality of the song, I guess is what I'm saying. It's hot in the poor places tonight. Uh, I think it'd be, is, is a profound statement yeah. um, of, you know, maybe where he was at one time and maybe he's looking back and uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it speaks to me of the uh, inequality. I don't know. Yeah. Hot in the poor places tonight and I'm not going outside. <laughs> nope. That, and, and I think that that, that says a lot about social, the social differences as well, where, well, it's hot outside. So, I can just stay in this air conditioning and, you know, I, I have the means to, to, to pay for that air conditioning. Whereas, you know, the, 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 the poor people, they're fanning themselves. So, right, right. you know, definitely a social commentary in my opinion. Um, this is yeah, my, and I, Oh, I was just going to say, especially with the lines, uh, my jaw's been broken, almost like you're not, you can't, you're not speaking to this, but these atrocities or these inequalities. And then my fangs have been pulled. Like oh, you're, you're not yeah. doing anything about it. You're, you're letting it. Um, especially, and then there's the lines about the bourbon on my breath uh, of the singer who you love so much. He takes all his words from the books that you don't read anyway. I, I definitely felt of that's Tweety referencing himself. Um, so there's lots, I think this is political and I think it's, it's also that, that ability not that that you're not doing anything about it like and maybe whether it's from not knowing where to start or what to do or fear but like i say the idea of your your jaw being broken and you're not speaking out and your fangs being pulled and you're not you know doing anything about it yeah all right um this is my 10 wayne what was your score this is a seven all right and then let's wrap this up so this is um this is the real last song um, so this is this is reservations. Reservations. That's so many things, not about you. Not about you. 
So this is the longest song on the record, clocking in at seven minutes, 23 seconds. Wayne, you, you already kind of alluded to, um, you know, they're, they, they may have problems with... Um, Four minutes? Yeah. That's, that's not necessary. Then you haven't listened to Ghost is Born. Well, I just, and part of it I will say is because I felt like the last song was a perfect ending. So that kind of sets this one up. But then four minutes of noise to end a song that would have ended with noise anyway. Uh, I just, I like to say, because outside of those two things, I, it, this is a nice, this is a nice little song. Yeah. Sweet. It's very, it's, it's very sweet. It's a sweet song. All right. Two songs on Ghost is Born. One is 15 minutes. That's less than you think. They don't know how to end that one. Um, and then Spiders, um, Kid Smoke is 10 minutes, which there's there's huge guitar solo. That's Nell's, you know, really kind of showcasing his talents. But it's 10 minutes long. Um, so I'm just warning you ahead of time, Wayne, since... Now you've I've turned you into a Wilco fan. You may get a little frustrated with next album, but um, no, this, but like I say, it's not that they're playing music for for four minutes to end it. It's yeah. that they're not, they're not. They're just it. They're making noise, and there's no reason to, in my in my opinion. And it takes away from like I say, it's a very sweet sentiment. There's so many questions in this guy's life. Uh, he doesn't know any of the answers to him, but other than but he has none of those questions about this this one person. He he knows the answer to that. Yep. So they take a very sweet sweet song, and just for what I cannot fathom, they just <laughs> make noise for four minutes. All right, Dale, what do you got? Last statement. There's back mask. There's back mask. <laughs> <in there. laughs> got to get the record and spin it backwards. Um. Yeah, I, I I really like the song. Um, I think it gets back to he's vulnerable. You know, we uh, I got reservations about so many things about myself. You know, and 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 it's just an internal look at someone's challenges. I mean, I I wouldn't think anybody who gets a, you know, on a stage and plays their own music would have any insecurities. You know, uh, it's got to be one of the bravest things to do. Um, but here he's, I don't know. I, I think that's the whole thing about his music and Wilco's music is uh, it's really honest. And it, uh, it, that, that might be a cliche, but but uh, I don't know. This, the feelings, that, they're, they're just uh, the feelings, the words, the music, the whole album and just the whole Wilco sound just gets inside of you, you know, on a deeper level than a regular pop songs. And in that, in that uh, documentary, someone said it best. And I think a lot of songs, you know, start out with lyrics and an acoustic guitar. And if you want every song on this album, could it sound like a folk song, but I'm not sure who said it in the movie, but we don't want every song to sound like a folk song. <laughs> and they certainly didn't. And and I think that's though the 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 music, the noise, uh, the the uh, uh, the rhythms, the uh, again the music. The, the, it has that mathematical the 
what am I trying to say? The, uh, the sound, um, I think gets into you differently with Wilco than a lot of bands. And that's yeah. why it, it resonates. That's another cliche, but, but the more you listen to it, and like you said, it's live, it, it really gets inside of you. And then his lyrics, I, I think if Jeff writes till he's the age of Bob Dylan, I, I think we're going to see another, um, uh, didn't, didn't Bob Dylan win the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature? I, 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 did he, or am I mistaken? I don't, uh, I don't think he did, but I think that was somebody, I think somebody was campaigning for that. Yeah. I thought he won something. Dylan, um, we got homework. Maybe it wasn't the Nobel Prize, but he won something. He might have uh, become somebody's, uh, was it Minnesota's Poet Laureate? Or poet something Laureate, like that? yeah. I could see that. I thought, well, anyway. Okay, I exaggerated. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> 2016, I think I'm right. No, Nobel Prize in Literature. There you go. I think Jeff's, I really do. I think he's on that level. Yeah. I'll throw that out there with Bob Dylan fans as you examine what he's writing about and what he's, what he's saying. That's my feeling. And and your point about, um, you know, starting with an acoustic guitar and, and lyrics. So he, he did do a, a record a couple of years ago called together at last, which was, you know, it was all these old Wilco songs that it was just him and a guitar. And there are a couple of the songs off of this record, Ashes of American Flags and I'm Trying to Break Your Heart are on there. Um, and they're just, they're fantastic, even just stripped down with him just on guitar. So it's good stuff. Yeah, that, that is, that's a good listen too, to, yeah. to, uh, yeah, to listen to the stripped down versions. All right. Um, so I feel bad about my score because I think that I'm still fixated on Poor Places being my, um, the you know, the album closer. Um, so this is my one, but I do I do love the lyrics of this. Um, Dale, your score? Five. And then Wayne? Uh, I have the same sentiment. I gave this my one. Okay. All right. So this is where I ask, um, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I think we got a lot of it. I don't know if we if we got it all. I think we. Yeah, I think that's. I I think we could do this again in five years. We probably could. Yeah. Yeah. And right. uh, but it's it's a beautiful album. All right, so let's let's figure out our top five based off of our scores. Any guesses on number one? Jesus, etc. Yeah. Dale and I both had that as our top song. Um, so that's number one with an average score of 10.33. Number two, I'm the man who loves you. And then we've got a tie for third, which is uh, I am trying to break your heart, ashes of American flags and pot kettle black. So that's our, that's our top five. That's a pretty nice. solid five. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna, I could that's listen the to that. Yeah, that's the Wilco sound, I think. Yeah. All right, Dale. This was a lot of fun. Glad we <laughs> great. Glad, glad we finally made it happen. Thank you so much, guys. It was so fun, and uh, I really appreciate the chance to talk about this music and the band. And I'm thankful that uh, 
you know, as I said, my kids, my oldest ones, especially got me listening uh, to this music and new music to to find out what's going on now. So I listen to all my kids now. They'll they'll say, "Hey, have you heard this? Have you heard this?" and and there's some great music out there, and it's really helped me personally get through 2020. Uh, I am so thankful for artists that can touch our spirit in a way that nothing else can, whether it's the visual arts or, or uh, whatever kind of artistry really helps us through challenging times. And, and I'm thankful for the music of Wilco that helps us get through this stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Amen. Echo that sentiment. Echoed that last week. That was one of my uh, my gratitude posts on uh, on the socials. Was uh, talking about music and how how appreciative I am. And this was one of the records that I talked about. How appreciative I was for my best friend, um, can finally convincing me that I needed to check this this out, and and for him taking me to uh, to my first Wilco show. So thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you. All right. Um, so Dale, where, where can people find all of your happenings? I know you're, you've got some, some, uh, some, some various socials and some charities that you do. Yeah, I am on Twitter, Dale Murphy three and Instagram. I think <laughs> yeah, Dale underscore Murphy three, um, Dale Murphy.com and find out what I'm doing and, uh, you know, really looking forward to 2021, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, uh, I haven't been traveling too much and really looking, looking forward to seeing the people get to my restaurant in Atlanta and getting that going again and, and, uh, listening to some more good live music. Amen. All right. Um, so as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to records, revisited Uh, we're on the socials. Check me out on Facebook or on Twitter at podcast records, Wayne man's Instagram page. Where's where, where can they find us on Instagram records revisited podcast? It's pretty simple. And then of course you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple podcast, Castbox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google podcasts. And of course, Go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to live show, but you know the drill on that. So please go support your favorite musicians on any of their live streaming events that they're doing right now. And of course, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record. I would tell you to go visit a record store, but um, I'd rather you go and buy a record directly from the musicians and help them out during during uh, this crazy, uh, weird time that we're living in. And we are Records Revisited, and we are out. 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 <laughs> it's, it, it's, be- <laughs> it's better when we're not in sync. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. To make all the other ones look bad. All right. All right. <laughs>